This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, se- uh, 0.7 seconds. 0.7 seconds. Keep that in mind. It's kind of a spoiler, but I figure it's a good way to start. Uh, the This past week, uh, well, <clears throat> I'm... I, I'm going to talk about this again, and I know you're thinking, "Oh boy, is he going to talk about the Who?" And uh, no, not the Who, not uh, not this week, not this show. I'm not going to talk about the Who, although they aren't a bad band to check out. I mean, you could do worse. Uh, Townsend is a rock genius, after all. And uh, but I'm not talking about the Who this week. Uh, and now you're thinking, "Well, okay, is he going to talk about baseball?" Uh, well, yeah, I am. I am going to talk about baseball, but that's later. In fact, I should warn you, it's kind of in uh, commemoration of, or in honor of, or to jump on the bandwagon of, the fact that it is the All-Star weekend, or just, just prior to the All-Star break. Uh, so it's the last weekend of the, of the season before the All-Star break. And uh, so I figured, what the heck, let's talk about some baseball, but I have a, a certain angle that I'm going to be uh, approaching the baseball talk. But I'm going to get to that later. Uh, so now you're thinking, oh, he's going to talk about him. And yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna talk about uh, the fellow who lives in the uh, White House. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's going to be something I've already addressed, but... I, I, I'm, I'll try to make this the last time I, I go into this, but I just needed to, to point something out. And uh, I was on the Facebook the other day, uh, and we just had the, the, or not we, but the world just had this NATO summit uh, conference take place over there in the Europe land. And uh, uh, President Trump met with uh, other world leaders, and there's a photograph that's been going around the internets uh, of, uh, of the group of these world leaders. There's about a dozen of them, and they're all standing in, you know, in you know, like in a class photo kind of thing. Okay, everybody stand, and you know, let's, we're going to get a picture. It's a photo op thing. And uh, everybody in the picture, just about, is looking up and to, the, and to their left. Right? They're all, you know, I don't know what they're looking at, but they're all looking up and to their left. The president, however, is looking up into his right, and some somebody took that image and said, "This is a metaphor for the way this president runs." 
uh, for his his worldview, where everybody's worldview is looking this way, he's looking the other way, as if to say that the, the majority is right. The majority is always right. Remember that the majority is always right. They are never ever wrong. It's never the case where one person is right and needs to convince the majority that they're wrong. That's never the case. It's never happened ever in the course of human history. The majority has always, 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 always been right, except when it comes to slavery, when the majority thought slavery was cool. And then I guess when it comes to women voting, uh, you know, when the time when the majority thought that women shouldn't vote. And, well, there are, there's always exceptions to every rule. But otherwise, every time, the majority is always right. And of course, I'm being sarcastic. But anyway, but I don't know. Maybe it is a, a metaphor for how he looks at the world where everybody else looks at it differently. I don't know. And I, but I thought that was an interesting viewpoint. But that's not, uh, when the image was shared, that's not what the person who was sharing it was saying. Uh, the person sharing it was just uh, poking fun at the president by uh, adding a caption as though the photographer was saying, okay, everybody look to their left. Yeah, and it's like, oh, and of course he's a dummy, and he looks at, he's either a dummy or he's just that much of a contrarian that he's going to look the opposite direction. Okay, and that's, I thought that was funny, and I thought it was an interesting metaphor thing as well, and okay, fine, didn't have a problem with that. Uh, the problem came when the person who shared the photo on, on her uh, Facebook news feed, whatever, in the comments, she decided to put in another picture of President Trump. And she said, boy, you know, I wish I could uh, Photoshop this one in there. I think it'd be even funnier. And the image of uh, President Trump was from last summer uh, during the eclipse, you recall? Was that last summer? It was last summer, wasn't it? During the eclipse. And the image of the president, uh, you know, uh, glancing up at the sun without eye protection. And it became the narrative, and it still is, that he stared at the sun. And, uh, you know, you know my pedantic nature. He, just, he didn't stare. You know, it just, it was, it was a glance. He glanced up. Now, he shouldn't have, but I think most of us did at the time. This is what I was talking about last year when I was being pedantic about this. And uh, I... Um, I looked at it and uh, the video feed, and I was right. He just glanced. It was, it, it was like, like most of us did, I'm sure. I did. Uh, and uh, if you recall, last year I said I glanced up in order to locate where the sun was and then put my eye protection on. I don't know why I just didn't put the eye protection on and just look around. As I, could have found, I could have found it that way. But it just that's what I did. Uh, so I go in and I do what I do so often. When I'm being pedantic on Facebook, especially if it's in uh, a comment thread, I'll put a I'll put my warning up. I'll say warning, pedantic moment ahead, and then I'll say whatever. And I do this for a couple of reasons, uh, maybe three reasons. Uh, one reason is to um, have a you know set myself up for a comeback when somebody says, "Oh come on, yeah, really? Are you going to be like are you going to be like that?" And I can come back and say, "I did warn you." Say, I can do that. Uh, the other reason is is that uh, people, hopefully, it makes people aware that I'm aware 
that I'm being pedantic. I understand that I'm doing this. I know what I'm doing, and it's on purpose. And I'm aware that it's being pedantic. And yeah, you know, I'm woke to my pedantry. I'm aware that's what I'm doing. And and hopefully the third thing is that they'll they'll get a chuckle. It's it's they'll understand that I'm being a little bit funny, or at least trying to be, just a little bit funny, while while pointing out that this isn't exactly accurate. So that's what I did. I put in a pedantic moment, and uh, I, in it, which said um, uh, that I said warning, pedantic moment ahead. Um, I essentially said, look, I, 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 I know he's a jerk or a duty face or something like that, and uh, and we're most of us are counting the days until he's out of office. Uh, but let's not spread the myth that he stared at the sun during the eclipse. He didn't stare. He glanced up at it. It's a glance, not a stare. It's staring, or glancing is not staring. So let's, you know, come on. And I got two responses. One was a, was finally a response that I didn't think I was going to have uh, for quite some, uh, well, I thought I was going to get earlier, but it took a long time to get this reaction to a pedantic moment that I did. And it was essentially a guy coming in there and saying, you know, look, pal, it's your life and it's it's your time to deal with, but, you know, you might want to reassess, you know, what you spend your time on. You know, it's just like, if you really, you're going to, you're going to spend this, be pedantic about this or something like that. He was trying to advise me that uh, I should, uh, uh, I should make better use of my time. But uh, he don't know me very well, do he? Uh, it's my thing, man. <laughs> that's that's what I do. In fact, I spend more of my time keeping myself from being pedantic than I do allowing myself to be. Um, I mean, I know somebody out there, uh, whoever writes, when, when he writes and chats and, and things, just does not know how to spell the word yeah. Doesn't know how to spell it. I. And I've not yet said anything to this person about it, and because what the hell, and spell it any way he wants, right? <laughs> I think I think he might know who I am talking about when he hears this, but I'm not going to say. Nevertheless, uh, I just gave the guy. Uh, I just said thanks, yeah. but there was a, another reaction. At first, I thought the person was backing me up. And the person is uh, someone who's a, a, a fairly well-known uh, skeptic, uh, known fairly well among other skeptics you know, that, that, that are paying attention to the skeptical movement, such as it, as it is. And uh, so he's a Facebook friend, and he, he saw my comment, and he he got in there, and I thought he was backing me up, saying, yeah, a glance is not a stare, but then I, I, I misread it, and I said, uh, I made a comment back to him, saying, you know, that yeah, I mean, come on, it's it's glancing is not staring, whatever. And he says, no, no. He says, watch the video. It's 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 more than just a glance. And then I realized that he wasn't agreeing with me. He was saying that it was a longer look than a glance. <clears throat> so I said, oh, all right then. Well, you know what I did. I pulled up uh, the YouTube video feed of the, of that image, which I will link to in the show notes. Uh, you'll you go to dimland.com and click on the blog option. You'll you'll get to the show notes. I'll link to it so that you can look at it yourself and time it yourself. So what I did was 
I got the video pulled up, and it's early in the video clip. It's like 45 second clip. It's sort of edited bits of that day, but uh, at the toward the beginning, he's on the balcony with uh, Melania, and uh, he's he. He glances up and then he glances up again and one of those times when he glances up he's pointing up at the sun like there it is <laughs> hey I found it the sun's up there he, you know he is a big fifth grader isn't he <laughs> That's, yeah anyway so the, his first glance up lasted a little longer than the second glance they were in quick succession to each other uh, the first glance up you could hear somebody calling out don't look or more than one person calling out uh, saying that um, and so I said, okay, I'm going to time this. And the way I did that was I opened up another window in a window browser thing to uh, go to Google and do the Google uh, stopwatch. You can do that. You can click, put in stopwatch, and it'll pull up something that you can actually, you can actually time something. So that's, that's what I did. Uh, played the video, got it queued up, did the stopwatch, and then you know, started and stopped as he, as he looked up at the sun. Uh, the first time I did it, I thought, hmm, I cut that a little short. Let's do it again. Let's try to be more accurate. And I only did it twice. Now, it's not scientific. Uh, I should have done it many times and averaged it out and to get a time. But uh, I just did it the, tw the two times because you know, you know, I'm not going to spend that much time on it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, nobody likes looking at the guy that much, right? So the second time I timed it, I got... Well, you know what I got. I got 0 0.79 seconds. And isn't that kind of weird that you say seconds when it's less than one second? But if it's one second, you say second? I mean, if it's more than one second, if it's two seconds, well, that makes sense. But if it's zero seconds, you say seconds. If it's 0 0.79 seconds, you say seconds. But you don't say, because it doesn't sound right to say 0 0.79 second, does it? So there must be a... Uh, you know, grammatical explanation for why that, why we talk that way, why it works that way. But anyway, so it was 0 0.79 seconds. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it just sounds weird to me to say 0 0.79 second. No, I think it's, I think that's wrong. Anyway, so that's how long it was. 0 0.79 seconds. It wasn't even one second looking at the sun. Now, if that's not a glance, what is? If it, it is 0.79 seconds now staring? Really? So I went back to the chat thread and I put that in there. I said, okay, I, I you know, it took him, he, he looked at it, he glanced at it for 0.79 seconds and I said, I said, yes, I timed it. So I guess, you know, that is now constitutes staring, staring at somebody. You don't know how short zero points or uh, yeah how short 0 0.79 seconds is I mean it, it's it's like this okay I'm gonna count uh, uh, do a 1 1,000 count okay and and just to show you 1 1,000 it's less than that <laughs> it's less than what that lasted or if it, it's fairly close to it but I mean come on that is not staring Now, I, that's 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 that should be considered a pedantic moment. I know, uh, but I do have a different one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play the sounder. Here we go. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Okay, 
this official pedantic moment for the show uh, has to deal with Alex Trebek and Colonial Pen uh, Life Insurance. You, if you've watched the, um, the old TV show channels where the audience tends to be people of a certain age and older, and I, I'm of a certain age, <laughs> uh, that means, I think that means over 50. A man of a certain age, I think, means over 50, I think. And I'm over 50. In fact, oh man, I am 53 years old, and I'm the same age that Abe Vigoda was when Barney Miller premiered in 1975. Now, if you remember that show at all, Abe Vigoda was the old man of the squadron. He was the guy that just was was uh, tired and drawn, and uh, he'd go all these. He'd have to have the bathroom breaks frequently, and he have his wife calling every now and then. He always seemed just tired and just just like uh, uh, the world were, had worn him down. And he always had these uh, very clever little clips that he would do, but. Quite often they'd have to. They they were related to being old. So anyway, so that that's that was Abe Vigoda. Abe Vigoda was one of those guys that's always looked old, even when he was really young. Uh, I mean, there are people like him and Burgess Meredith. Uh, Burgess Meredith always looked old. If you don't know who that is, think of the uh, the the, uh, the the Adam West Batman TV series from 1966. That's the, he played. Uh, Burgess Meredith played the uh, played the Penguin, and he's he's. Always looked old, so I'm at that same age, but I don't look old, do I? Do I look old? I hope I don't. Anyway, um, Alex Trebek has is the host of uh, Jeopardy, longtime host of Jeopardy. He's been I don't know how many years, thirty years, somewhere around there, more. And he's also a spokesperson for the Colonial Pen Life Insurance thing that the older people can get. You know, if you're 50, age 50 to 85, you can get this insurance, and you know it's it's uh, it's cheap. Although, if you really want it to, be, I, I get the sneaking suspicion is that the price that they're advertising in, uh, on the commercials is just a is just the bottom line. You know, the bottom entry level insurance. If you really want to get decent stuff, you're going to have to pony up a little more dough. Anyway, so the latest ad has him uh, saying uh, that there are the three P's of Colonial Pen Life Insurance. The three P's, and graphically they show you the you know a P with a blank after it three times above his shoulder, and he says uh, you know, and then they have a couple of old people asking, well, what are the three P's? <laughs> the three P's? What are the three P's? Then Alex come back, uh, comes back and says, the three P's are price, price, and price. Uh, okay, so, and then he explains. He says, it's a, uh, let's, let's get the notes. He said, a price you can afford, a price that can't increase, and a price that fits your budget. Um, Alex? A price you can afford is a price that fits your budget. And a price that fits your budget is a price you can afford. So it's really only two Ps. Okay, so that's uh, <laughs> that's enough of me talking for this little segment of the show. So I'm going to go to break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return after I take uh, this, this little time out. to talk about baseball. (laughs) 
those other guys. The Finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the happy birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Get him some Z's. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Listen to Z Talk Radio. On ztalkradio.com. Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I have to apologize. The uh, audio level of the uh, the first, of the opening and the first break there was a little low. I noticed that when I was coming back in. So if you noticed the volume come up a bit, uh, that's what happened. So um, sorry about that. Uh, I think you'll handle it. Uh, I do have... Uh, if this is an unusual show, because for two reasons, I don't normally do a show during the day, and that's when I'm doing this. It's in the morning on Saturday rather than at night on Friday, but I had a busy, busy week. And uh, when I got home last night, I was just uh, <laughs> I was dog tired, and I said, I'm not, I, I'll, I'll do it in the morning. And because I'm doing this in the morning, I have uh, sort of an audience. Uh, my son is over there on the couch, but he's sleeping. And uh, he's uh, so that's good. He's being nice and quiet. And I've got the World Cup game playing on here. It's uh, Belgium versus the England, and uh, uh, you know it's it's that kickball game. I'm sorry, soccer. Uh, I'm sorry, football. That uh, that everybody's so uh, excited about that that World Cup thing. And you know it's uh, eh, it's not my thing. It's, I'm not into the uh, soccer, but uh, you know if you are, you are, and it's cool. Uh, but I'm into baseball. <laughs> and, uh, and and I try not to get uh, I try to be cognizant of the fact that if I start to say that that soccer is boring and so I'm saying yeah well you like baseball hey baseball is boring to boring people <laughs> I heard somebody say that in the Ken Burns documentary um, the all-star game is coming up this uh, Tuesday which I'll miss because I'll be working oh well what are you going to do uh, and and that's uh, one of the coolest, best all-star games of any of the sports. 
uh, it's been messed with a little bit lately because of uh, uh, there was that one game where when it ended in a tie and uh, lots of people got upset about that. And then they, then for a long time it was uh, the result of whoever won that that uh, that game, whether it was the American League or the uh, National League, they'd get uh, home field advantage come the World Series. So that, that that was that way for quite a while till they decided, I guess it was last year, uh, to go back to the every other year. That's what they used to do. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not what they did. Oh, boy, got to get it right. They had been doing the every other year for a long time. Now they go with who has the best regular season record. Whichever team, when they head into the postseason, that ends up into the world, in the World Series, whichever those two teams has the better regular season record, they have the home field advantage. That's how it works. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I thought I'd talk about baseball at a different uh, angle about uh, this time, talking about how uh, fans uh, have, in the past, in this game, uh, have interacted with the with the game, uh, not uh, to the betterment of the game. Uh, there is we. I'm going to go way back, way back to uh, 1909. Uh, talk about a particular uh, fan affected play that uh, ended up haunting a player for the rest of his life. Um, now, I, sh- I should say that I mean there was there was a time. Uh, this I learned from the Ken Burns baseball documentary. The filmmaker John Sales was talking about the the 1918 Black Sox series. That was when the, the Chicago, Chicago White Sox threw the World Series and uh, put a real um, you know strong black mark on the game. A lot of fans dropped away. Uh, it took Babe Ruth coming into the game and changing the way the game was played, uh, introducing the idea that. Home runs were a good thing. Home runs happened in the in the earlier game, but not quite the way they did once Babe Ruth got involved. I mean, he was hitting in one season. He'd hit more home runs just himself than other teams. The entire team would hit. That's just the nature of the game, the way it was then. And it used to be also that uh, there wasn't a fence out in the outfield for the ball to go over for a home run. I mean, this was way back. So the ball, it would be a home run because the ball just kept going and going and going, uh, you know, bouncing the ground, and the fielder couldn't get to it before the runner made it all the way around to, to all the bases and, and uh, touched home plate. Which, by the way, rules of the game, and this will come into play in what I talk about, the rules of the game is uh, you hit a home run, you still have to touch the bases. And if you hit it, you, you get a hit. If you get a double, you have to touch first base before you head on to second base. Same thing with the triple. You have to touch first and second. After the home run, even though the ball's out of the park and there's no way they're gonna go, they're not gonna get the ball and throw you out. Uh, that's not gonna happen. You're, you've, you've scored the run, but you have to make it around the bases, touching all the bases, and then coming back, coming home, and touching home plate. You have to do that. It's part of the rules. That's why it bothered me in that X-Files episode uh, toward the end of the X-Files run. Original run, I should say. Um, and uh, uh, David Duchovny directed an episode that had to do with baseball. And it was uh, part of the, the episode was set in the 19... Well, well let's see. Uh, 1940s, early 1940s or so, uh, before baseball integrated, before Jackie Robinson started to play. And there was a, uh, um, um, there was a team of, uh, of uh, black players. Uh, they were a Negro League team, 
and they were playing a team of white players in some field somewhere, sort of a field of dreams kind of thing, which I guess did happen in those days, where the, the major league players, the white players, would play the Negro League players sometimes. they pick up games just to, I don't know, just to see how good the other players are, because the, the black folks weren't allowed into the game. And um, in this episode, Jesse L. Martin plays uh, a black fellow that's a really good hitter. He's a slugger. He hits home runs. He's you know he's he's really good. And he's up at at the plate. It's not an official game or anything, but and so maybe I shouldn't be too pedantic about it. But this was a pedantic moment years ago, or yeah. And uh, he hits a home run. And his team just just mobs him. Like, he beat these guys. It's, it must have been the bottom of the ninth. Hits a home run, and that wins the game for the, their team. They must have been the home team. And they just he doesn't run the bases. And I'm watching this thing. I said, would you run the bases? You have to run the bases. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, that comes into play in my, my talk about the fans. Uh, what John Sales was talking about, how the fans would be more part of the game back in the early 20th century. He said in, in 1919 in the World Series there were a couple of games where the organizers of the games allowed fans to be on the field. They'd be around the perimeter of the field and out in the outfield they'd have a rope going around. And so what they came up with for that, if the ball was hit and went out and bounced off the field in play but then bounced into the fans or rolled into where the fans were standing before the fielder could get to it, it would be called a ground rule triple, which would mean that the hitter would be awarded third base. And so what the fans would do, if they're, you know, if the home team is up, their player is up, and he hits a ball that gets close enough out to them in the outfield, they'd move forward, they'd push the rope forward to see if they could shorten the field a little bit to get a ground rule triple. And if the opposing player hit one out that way, they'd pull the rope back, to give their fielder an extra couple feet to catch the ball or to, or to field the ball. And there is a thing called a ground rule double. Ground rule double is when the hitter hits the ball, it, it comes down into the field in fair play territory, bounces off and out and up and into the stands. So when that happens, it's not a home run because it hit down into the field, but the fielder couldn't get the ball before it went up and into the, into the crowd. That's called a ground rule double. The, uh, the, the hitter is awarded second base, and anybody that might have been on base, somebody on first, second, third, they are awarded two bases. So that means the first base, uh, somebody on first goes to third, second base goes home, and third base goes home, and they score runs. Okay. <clears throat> In 1908, uh, there was a three-way um, race for the pennant, for the National League pennant, uh, the three-way race was between the, the uh, New York Giants, uh, the uh, Philadelphia, jeez, uh, what were they? The Athletics, I think. <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, they faded away. I think they were the Athletics. And, um, and uh, uh, the other team, oh, uh, the Chicago Cubs. I got that written down. I do, honestly. <laughs> I've got the two of the Chicago Cubs and, and the New York Giants. I'll correct it in the show notes who the other team was. It doesn't really matter to, for the story because it was the Cubs and the Giants that were were very close. But all three were very close in trading leads and trading back. So it's the, the game, as the season is getting down to the last two weeks, and there was a big game between the Cubs and the Giants. Uh, it was in New York, so the, the, the Giants were the home team. And uh, the game was, 
was tied uh, going into the bottom of the ninth, and there were two outs. And this play, is this, this moment is called uh, Merkel's Boner, or the Merkel Boner. Uh, and I, just not all that long ago, I was watching some uh, ball game on ESPN, and the guys calling the game, they were talking about this, this play, but they refused to say, you know, boner. You know, they, they acknowledged that it had this name, but they wouldn't say it because, you know, a boner is, you know, what a boner is. We don't want, you know, we don't want to, to, people thinking about, you know, erect penises while we're talking about baseball. It's it, a boner is a bonehead play. It's a goof up. It's a foul up. That's what it. That's what it meant, and that's what it means. Come on, what are you in the White House? So, Merkel's this young guy, 19 years old, Fred Merkel. He comes up to hit, and he's got a, this massive erection hanging out of his pants. No, I'm kidding. Uh, he comes up to hit. There's a uh, there's a man on base, and. Uh, I think he's a man on first, and Merkel gets a hit, and he gets on. So the, 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 the guy on base ends up on third base, and Merkel, uh, um, yeah, he, gets, he gets a hit, and he's on first. There's two outs at this point. Uh, if that run on third base can come in, that will win the game. Another player comes up to hit, and he gets a single, and Merkel starts to run to second base. The guy on third runs and, and scores. That wins the game. Only thing is, Merkel needs to touch second base. But the crowd has now poured onto the field. And he's just looking like, uh, okay, the game's over, I'm going to go. And he just runs, instead of going to second base, he just runs off to where the clubhouse was, which is out in the outfield. Uh, or access to it is in the outfield. So he just heads in, because he didn't want to get mobbed by the crowd, so off he goes. Well, the Cubs players saw that, and so they're trying to find the ball, because they know if they can find the ball and tag for a second base, they can force out Merkel, which the run then won't count. So, so they, so they're trying to find the ball, and they go into the crowd, and they find the guy that's got it. The guy won't give it back to him, so they tackle him and they pull it from him, and then they throw it down to somebody on the field, one of their players, uh, fellow players on the field, and they go over and they end up touching the base and they stand there and they hold the ball up and they call to the umpire saying, hey, look, you know, he's out. He didn't touch the base. He's out. Now, there were rumors that one of the uh, Chicago players was just, just got a different ball. That wasn't the actual ball, but who knows. The umpire agreed, you're out. Well, they couldn't get the fans off the field to, you know, because it's still tied. They couldn't get the fans off the field. It was starting to get too dark to finish the game, so they called it a tie. And what ended up happening was the, when the season got to an end, the Cubs and the Giants were tied. They had to do a one-game playoff to determine who would go into the World Series, and the Cubs won. And so Fred Merkel, his entire life, he's, uh, he's just remembered for his, his, you know, his boner. And I don't mean that in the, you know, you know what I mean. He's remembered for that, and it dogged him his entire life. He said he, he said to friends that he thought, you know, when I die, I, I you know, I'm afraid that my tombstone will say, you know, he, that he's the guy with the, you know, who screwed up that play. Um, that, that's that's I mean, and his teammates never blamed him. It's just that's how that went for him. It just it was uh, uh, it's it's tragic.
but that haunted him all his life. Uh, okay, so... Oh, and by the way, when the Cubs went into that World Series, that was they won that World Series. That was 1908. That was the last time they'd won a World Series for 108 years. It wasn't until 2016, just a couple years ago, when they finally broke that winless streak in the, in the World Series. So, all right, uh, I'm going to take a little break. Uh, the volume should be better for this break than it was the last time. Sorry about that. But uh, I'll be back shortly, so uh, sit tight, and I have more baseball talk. Oh, it's going to be great. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Happy Jack wasn't all, but he was Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space-age skill and serve your country too. The Aerospace Team, that's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station's not your cup of tea, then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. (laughs) You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Simmons, and this week I'm talking about baseball, a bunch of stuff, and I'm talking about how fans have gotten involved in the game. I did the Merkel Boner. The fans were involved in that one because they started to pour onto the field, and, and Merkel didn't want to deal with, with, with the crowd, so he didn't even bother touching second base, which, which ended up tying the game and didn't uh, didn't help the Giants win that, that pennant that season. So, uh, And it dogged him all his life. Now, this next one, this next story, this is more recent. 
is that we go back to 1976 and the American League Championship Series, uh, which was between the hated Yankees and the Kansas City Royals. Now, the Yankees were up three games to one when they got to game five. And it was in New York City. And the uh, it was kind of a cold night. It was October 14th. And the fans were getting a little squirrely. Partly because it had been 12 years since the hated Yankees had won the American League pennant. 12 years since they'd been in the World Series. 12 long and glorious years. Oh, those must have been the days to just watch the Yankees not make the, uh, you know, the World Series. It must have been great. Uh, I'm just thinking about those days, how, much, how great they must have been. Well, anyway, so it had been a long time, and, and here they are. They're up three games to one, win one more game, they're in the World Series. So uh, in the eighth inning, this was a game that was going back and forth. It was, they were getting tied up. You know, the, the Kansas City was, uh, would, would tie up the Yankees, and, and then the Yankees would pull ahead a couple runs. And at one point, they were up by three runs. So they were up 6-3 in the eighth inning, top of the eighth. And George Brett had two men on base. He hits a monster home run, ties up the game at six runs each. And the crowd is squirrely. And they're getting a little unruly, and they start throwing stuff on the field, and you know, paper, the toilet paper, and whatever they had on them. They start throwing stuff on the field, and the PA announcer has to tell the fans, "Hey, please refrain from doing that. Come on, let's show some good sportsmanship. Come on, what's 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 wrong with you guys? Quit being a bunch of jerks. You know, quit being New York fans, huh? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to my New York Yankee fans. Uh, <clears throat> So, ninth inning comes along. Game's tied. A uh, hitter named Chris Chambliss comes up, and he's a, he's a good power hitter, and uh, he gets up there, and he hits a home run. This, of course, since it's the bottom of the ninth, this is going to win the game for the Yankees, send them to the World Series for the first time in 12 years. Yeah, it, everybody's quite excited about this. Uh, there's, if you watch, I'll put video links to the to what happened. Uh, if you listen to the uh, the TV call, that uh, uh, the national TV call, uh, I can't remember who the two, well, one of the guys is, I, I'm not sure if it was, uh, I don't know who it was. Um, it might, I don't, I want to say Frank Gifford, but Gifford was football. <laughs> because he was teamed up with, uh, uh, it might have been Keith Jackson, uh, he was teamed up with Howard Cosell. And Cosell is the, is the, is the, gives color you know, he gives that the, the background talk and that kind of thing. That's what his job is. Uh, while the the other fellow calls the game, and you listen to it, and he, the the other fellow is being dramatic about the ball going out, and before he gets a chance to say that it's gone, uh, Cosell steps on it. It's gone. <laughs> he just he just jumps on it. Well, you watch the video. Uh, the ball goes out. And just just right by where the ball heads out of the field, the gates open up, and a bunch of police officers come pouring onto the field to to keep the fans back. Well, they didn't do very well because the 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 fans just poured out onto the onto the field. And there's poor Chris Chambliss running running through. He's you know he knows he's won the game. But he has to run the bases. He goes to first, fine, gets to second. By the time he's getting to second base, the fans are catching up to him. He passes second. He stumbles. 
and he said he said the only thing you could think is I had to get I had to get up because I didn't want the fans you know tumbling on top of me and that he didn't want that happen so he he's not even sure if he touched third base it was so crowded by the time he got there comes around third starts heading down toward home plate and he's got one of his, his teammates Willie Randolph is running lead blocker for him he's pushing people out of the way but Chambliss is figuring forget this and he just heads right to the dugout and goes to the locker room he doesn't even touch home plate between uh, when he was running between second and third there was these two jerks uh, at least two that tried to take his batting helmet from him. Yeah, it's just like my goodness. Yeah, that's what's what the mob mentality will do. So anyway, so he he runs into the locker room. He doesn't touch home plate, and he's aware that he didn't. And so what he does, he says he took off his uniform. He puts on a jacket over his uniform, and he goes out with uh, two cops or two security guys. They go out, and the crowd is still bouncing all around everywhere. But you know they they don't they're not recognizing that's that's who he is and he goes out and he goes over and he steps on where home plate was because home plate had been stolen and the first all the bases had been stolen from the you know, fans had grabbed him up so he there's the outline on the field uh, and where home plate would be and he he steps on it so it was he, he so he covered his bases so to speak uh, that's where the that's where the term from comes from cover your bases comes from baseball so. So he covers his bases, he hits that, and then, you know, so the, it's official. So if Kansas City tried to say that that wasn't official, uh, he, he could say, oh, no, I went back out on the field and I, I stepped there. Turns out, though, that the umpires said that uh, given the circumstances, uh, they would have awarded the run anyway. There was no way, you know, his safety was paramount and they weren't going to, they weren't going to do anything uh, to take it away. So, and what actually ended up happening then, the league instituted a rule, which has come to be known, the Chris Chambliss rule, which is uh, the umpire can award any base if they feel that the runner should have gotten there, but couldn't get there due to fan interference. So, uh, so there's that. And then the last one I got for you. This is... Uh, um, this is a, the, if, if I say this number to baseball fans, most will know what this means. 715. They will know what this number means. Uh, 714. They'll know what that number means. 714 was the number of home runs Babe Ruth hit in his career. And, and uh, it was a record that stood for a long, 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 long time. A uh, baseball player named Hank Aaron came along in the... 50s, I think he started first started playing, or, or yeah, late 50s maybe, started playing the game, and he was one of these guys that uh, was a really good all-around player, good hitter, good fielder. He was, and and he was a guy that was uh, uh, quiet. Uh, he had a, a certain uh, dignified uh, air about him. He, you know, he was very professional, and uh, he was you know just a very admirable fellow and I can remember watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary and they were talking about Hank Aaron and uh, George Will one of the contributors to the documentary was talking about that there was a time when some pitchers were sitting around kind of spitballing about the hitters in the game and they they would mention names of hitters and they'd say you know how would you pitch this guy you know where's his weakness you know pitch him low and outside is that you know get him there pitch him inside you pitch him high you pitch you know they were they were saying stuff like that and and will says that somebody brought up hank aaron and he said there was a pause 
as the as those pitchers sat around thinking about it, and one of them chimed in and said, "Make sure no one's on base when he comes up to hit, because he's going to hit a home run. He's going to, you know." So he's he's chasing Babe Ruth's record of 714 home runs, and um, it was uh, let's see, in 1973 he was chasing. He was getting close, but didn't get there. Didn't tie him up. He was I think he ended the 73 season at 713. He was, he, I think he was one short, or he might have been a couple short, but he was almost there, but didn't get there. So over the summer, he, you know, the fans had to wait and anticipate him breaking it because he was going to, uh, barring injury or he retires or whatever. He was, and he wasn't planning on retiring. But what he, what was happening was this guy was getting hate mail. He was getting this racist crap hate mail. Uh, threats, death threats in this mail, uh, using every word they could think of that the, and not spell it correctly most of the time. Hank Aaron kept a lot of these letters, and uh, and and I read in uh, the Wikipedia that at at a point at, at some point uh, he was was the person who had received the single mo- the single person who received the most mail in one year more so than any politician or any other celebrity he he, he received i think in one year almost uh, over 900,000 pieces of mail uh incredible most of which was on his side they they were they 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 did they were saying look we 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 do not like this racist reaction to you you go ahead and beat this record babe ruth's widow was saying Babe Ruth would have wanted this to happen. He would have been thrilled. He, he, he would have, you know, he would have been proud to have somebody, you know, break the record. Come on, he would have been, he'd have been very happy about this, whether the guy was black, white, or whatever. And uh, there was a um, sports editor for the Atlanta Journal. His name was Louis Grizzard. He had secretly had a an obituary written up for Hank Aaron because the worry was there that this guy might people might try to kill him if he broke the record or got close to breaking the record well the 1974 season rolls along uh, very early in the season he ties the record he's got 714 and then on uh, April 8th 1974 in Atlanta in front of his home fans he hits 715 he hits that home run and he's running the bases. I mean, it's just pandemonium. It's crazy. But the field isn't isn't crowded with fans at this point, except for two. So I'll, you know, and when the guys are doing their home run trot, as it were, they don't they don't run all out. And uh, and as a courtesy to their opponents, they don't walk either. They they trot around. They don't. You know, you don't want to show up their their opponents. So that's so. There goes Aaron, and he gets first base, and he comes around the second base, and he's working his way to third base. And these two young guys, white guys, come running up behind him. Now, he had to. It had to go through his mind. He had to think: Are these guys going to try and do something? Are they going to try and tackle me? Are they going to hit me? Are they going to? Do they have a gun? Do they have a knife? He had to, in that, in a second or two, in his, through his head, it had to have go, gone. It just, and the two fellows got up to him, and they patted him on the back, 
and it looked like they were saying way to go or congratulations stuff like that and then they ran off and and Hank then got to third and he got home and his teammates were waiting there for him and they tried to pick him up to carry him on their shoulders and he wouldn't let them that's the kind of dignity the man had he just said no 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 no. you're not doing that and he goes to the crowd and uh, there's reporters uh there are there's police officers for security there's uh you know, there's some fans that did manage to get down there and there's family members and he's his mother gets up to him and hugs him and 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 he he said about in the aftermath he said he never knew his mother could hug so hard uh and there was one guy who i assume was a fan He's a, a Native American, and you can you can tell mainly because of how he was dressed. He was wearing some you know nineteen seventies Native American hippie outfit kind of thing, uh, headband, uh, and black long coat with uh, beads and such. And he was thrilled. <laughs> he goes up and he shakes Hank Aaron's hand, and then turns and walks away. <laughs> So um, the crowd can get in there. It's it's. It, I I was looking to see when was the last time the crowds uh, poured onto the field and really caused trouble. Uh, and that was 1995. There was a. Um, it was the uh, uh, Seattle Mariners and I don't know if it was the California Angels or the Los Angeles Angels or the Los Angeles Angels of California or the Los Angeles Angels of California United States on the planet Earth or whatever they were calling themselves. The Angels have had name issues over the years. They should just, just you're the California Angels, just be that. Uh, that's what you were when I was a kid. Gosh darn it, that's what you should be, you should be now. Or, or pick a name. <laughs> well, I think they have at this point. I, and anyway, I think they're the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim now. Uh, the two of them were in a one-game playoff to see if they would continue on into the postseason. And it was in Seattle, and Seattle won, and the fans just poured onto the field. I think it's the last time something quite like that happened. Some years ago, though, uh, a couple of drunken fans, a father and son, at a Chicago White Sox game, I believe it was, um, uh, they pour, they jumped onto the field to attack uh, the first base coach, I think it was. Don't know why they were just overserved. <laughs> so there you go. All right, uh, I think I've got time. Uh, three cool things. Uh, number three, uh, this doesn't just happen this week, but uh, it happened a while ago. I saw it, but I was, it, it occurred to me the other day as I was driving to work and watching the uh, the, uh, the garbage collectors. Uh, driving their trucks along and grabbing trash. Now, what, the way they do it now is they have this mechanical arm that comes out and they control it and they grab the trash bin. It's a tall trash bin with a lid and wheels on the back. You know, uh, you probably have one like that. And they lift it up and it and it dumps it into the bin of the uh, of the of the garbage truck. And then they place it back. Well, a while back, I saw one of these guys. He had put the the trash can uh, the 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 bin back on the ground, but it fell backward. On the you know on the, uh, laying flat on the the wheel side and had fallen backwards. So what he did was this guy was so skilled at it. He took the arm that picks the thing up and he he just popped it at the bottom of the of the bin and it and the bin stood up in place. Just whoop boom stood up in place. And I just watched that. And I went, wow, that guy that's cool. <laughs> that's that's mad skills, man, to be able to do that. You're inside a vehicle, you're looking through a mirror, and you're running this thing. I, I, they, I think they run in looking through mirrors, but uh, it was cool. It was very cool. Uh, number two, 
When I was heading out to the Minnesota Skeptics meetup, there was a big rainstorm came through on the way there. Just huge rainstorm, just pouring down. And I'm on uh, I-94, slowly making my way to Minneapolis. The rain started to let up, but the traffic was still backed up. And it's rush hour, too, so that didn't help. And I'm sitting there, and there's a car, uh, an SUV, just ahead of me in the next lane. And the... Um, the back door opens and a guy steps out, on you know, steps out of the out of the car and he starts doing a shimmy. He starts shaking his hips and and you know just you know he starts dancing. <laughs> it's the little shimmy dance right there in the street. No more than five seconds. Just do 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 for a little bit. And he hops back in. And there's other guys in the vehicle. I'm sure they were daring him to do it and he did it. I had such a chuckle with that. I thought that was cool. And the number one cool thing, this this is baseball related, and I think it was college baseball. Uh, a Facebook friend of mine shared this video with me of a uh, an outfielder making an incredible catch, a running dive catch. But the catch, but it looked weird. I'll link to the sh to the video so you can take a look at it and see if it looks weird to you. He leaps and catches it, but his back end of his body, his legs go up and over, and he flips around. It's just, it looks weird to me. It looks like he's almost on a wire, like it's a production of, Pete, a stage production of Peter Pan, and he's on a wire, and it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem natural. And I, and I consulted the Minnesota skeptics, and I said, does this look weird to you guys? Does this look right? Well, two of them, uh, a married couple, uh, uh, Rachel and Aaron, uh, they looked at it and they looked into things and compared it to other videos of, of high jumpers and basketball and other baseball things, I guess. And they were just looking at, at the thing. And Rachel gave me an explanation, uh, which I thought was pretty good. And I'm going to read what she wrote. She says a few things about this video. One, the perspective of the shot is a little wonky in relation to the player. Uh, it looks like he might be rotating somewhat either toward or away from the camera, making things seem a little strange. Two, he's kicking his feet up backward at the same time he's leaning forward, which is what's adding the torque to his movement, uh, turning it into less of a traditional jump and more into a weird fall. Uh, three, whether intentionally or not, he kind uh, he kind of tucks his limbs in like a figure skater, which increases his rotational speed and gets him flipped around. And four, it's easier to apply torque at a faster speed than at a slower one, uh, up to the optimal performance of a system. Think of pressing down on your bike pedal at faster speeds versus lower speeds. Uh, their conclusion was it is totally realistic, just looks weird because of perspective. Also, it's super interesting watching the differences between basketball player uh, players, uh, a basketball player jump and a long jumper jump when keeping the physics in mind the whole time. Isn't it cool to have smart friends who will take time to figure this stuff out? Isn't that cool? I hope you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week. Good night, Good night, Frau Blucher. And I made it to the end of another show. My son slept through the whole thing. Uh, Belgium has defeated uh, uh, England, I think. I think. And uh, and it's time for me to say uh, you need to be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I hope you weren't too bored by the baseball. Uh, and I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off.
can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What? 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 Well, I'm going to hell.